Hello, my name is Chad. I'm ministerial assistant here with Young Adults, and I couldn't have asked for a better song to start us with the topic that we have. We're in Matthew 5, and we're going to be in 13 through 16, so four verses tonight, but are they packed? Oh my goodness, so we're going to be reading it first, um, but we're coming out of, if you remember last week, the Beatitudes, and and Jesus is explaining what it looks like for the general public. If you do all these things, you have a fulfilled life. And if you notice, if you remember, all those things that he was adding were things that are countercultural, things that are setting people apart. But if we notice, today we're talking about salt and light. And you'd think that it's, it's not a separation to take people and put them into like a monk kind of life. He is actually setting us up countercultural in a way that we are on the top of a hill. We are, on, we are the salt of the earth. We are light of the world. So I'm going to read it for us. We're going to read all of it, and then we're going to get started. It says, you are, and this is verse 13, Matthew 5, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light, lamp, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. It gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I've learned a lot this year. Um, something I've been just seeing is how interesting it is taking knowledge that you've known, you've grown up listening to how God is near and God helps you through hard times, and 2020 has been a hard time for all of us uh, in different ways, um, but I've learned that it's really incredible to learn from experience. You know that God is near, but but wow, when, when you actually hear those songs and think God is here, even though I don't feel it. So I've decided that I want to keep on learning from experience, so hearing Brother Steve talking about uh, the importance of fasting, I've decided to uh, embark on a new journey and do a 40-day fast. So I'm going to start that up, but you know it takes it takes a, a village to help us all out. So I'm going to put a, put a paper up here. So at the end of the service, I want you to come up and write down your top favorite fast foods to help me through these 40 days um, because it's going to take a lot of, of different... I can't promise that I'll try all the fast foods, but during these 40 days, I'm going to fit as many fast food restaurants into my fast. Um, so that's my goal. So if you notice... It is very easy to take something that is very common and change it into your world setting. And I think a lot of us do this with this passage, with light and salt of the world. We see that and we embark on a journey thinking we are fulfilling God's purpose for our life because we see salt and earth and we think of our context of salt and earth and we transform it into, okay, God wants this for my life. And I've seen, and personally, it, what happens is I use this in a way um, that actually burns me out because I'm not doing what God asked me to do. So I'm going to ask you, even though this is a passage that you have heard before, to think of it as you're hearing it for the first time. You are at Jesus' feet on the, on the mountain, and you are listening to it first time, and you hear you're supposed to be salt, and you're supposed to be light of this world, and you're like, what does that mean? So that's the mindset we are going to have as we get, get going here. This is what we're going to see. This main idea that we're seeing is God created you to make a valuable difference in this world. God sees you as valuable. He sees you as valuable to, your king, to the kingdom of God. He sees you as a key player on his, on his team. Not only on the team, but on this timeline. He has put you in 2020 for a reason. 
So we're going to look at two ways. I only have two points tonight. I have about 92 subpoints, but I only have two points that we're going to be going through. And it's the first one that we're going to be seeing is that we have to be the quality of salt. So look at verse 13 again. You are the salt of the earth, but the salt has lost its taste. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except for to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So the quality of salt. So let's first of all think about what it meant to, the, to that audience, the first people who were hearing it. Salt was everywhere because they're right by the Sea of Galilee, so you think that it's kind of a cheaper um, amenity or, or item that you could get, but it's, that's not true. I, I was very surprised to see that. In fact, salt was used for everything. If you think about it, they didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have a way to, uh, they didn't have spices everywhere to salten up their food. But most importantly, that, that refrigerate idea of keeping their meat, keeping the fish that they're getting out of the Sea of Galilee, or not Sea of the Galilee, but getting the fish and preserving it, that is so important to them. So honestly, um, the first thing we see from, from the audience, they would have thought of that taste, and that's what we see in this verse, is that it said it's lost its taste, so that's the focus. But did you know that it was so valuable that they would actually sometimes uh, pay their Roman soldiers in salt. They would hand over the salt to the soldiers and say, okay, thanks for your month's wage. So salt, and they would actually be happy about it because salt can be used for everything and can be sold for stuff as well. So it was valuable in that sense. It was, the Greeks thought it was designed, it was considered to be pure. They would use it as a way of saying, um, there's actually this kind of, uh, I don't know if it's like a saying, but it, according to ancient customs, it would be a bond of a friendship. It was establishing through eating. They would say, you can trust the person that you share salt with, your friends. So salt is used in all kinds of aspects. So when they hear salt of the, uh, be the salt of the earth, they're not thinking just, okay, I'm going to be a little bit um, more flavorsome than other people. No, it's, it's a matter of purity, a matter of making a change in the people around you. You know, even though it's so different from that time to this time, I think it's not too hard for us to understand either. I don't know, like, for me, it's, I've definitely had many meals where I completely forget the salt, except for this week because I was thinking, wow, salt's good for everything, so I actually put too much salt in my spaghetti on Monday, and that was horrible. But for the most part, I hope that I'm not the only one who has forgotten to put salt in my food. And there's a difference. You cook for hours, and all of a sudden you get the food, and you taste it, and it's like there is no taste it's a great chicken or whatever you're cooking up, and there's nothing wrong with the food itself, but because you forgot to put the salt in the rice or whatever you're cooking, there is a lack of taste, not only just because the salt's there, there's a lack of taste in the food itself because salt goes into it and brings the taste out of food. So we can understand, even though we don't have that context that they would have had in that time, for us, it's, it's kind of that same thing, um, that we know that salt is important. We can understand that pretty easily. So thinking about that, now think about what God says, you are. That's what stood out to me. He didn't say, you can become the salt of the earth. He says it as a declaration to his disciples, to the people who are listening, those who have believed. And he says it to us as well. You are the salt of the earth. So there's also that negative aspect to it, right? Because what does it say after that? It says, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? The most scary thing for uh, a Christian is not if you can lose your salvation. God is the one who's in charge of salvation, so he has your salvation in your hand. What, what is up to you, though, as a Christian, is if you're going to use your saltiness. 
So if you become complacent in your life, if you start living in a way that you are apathetic to the people around you, you lose your taste in the world and you cannot be effective for the kingdom of God. And that is what we need to be terrified. Maybe not terrified, but you, we need to be concerned that we don't get to a point where God can't use you. And what happens? If God can't use you, it says that um, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are not able to serve God for a kingdom purpose, and in so you're going to actually not feel great about the rest of your life either because you've made for a purpose. You're made in a way, if you remember what our main idea, God created you to be to make a valuable difference in this world. So if that's your purpose in life, and you are not meeting that standard, you're going to feel horrible. You're going to blame it on other kinds of things that are happening in your life, but it all comes back to that one thing and that you are not measuring up to what God called you to be, and that was to be a change, a salt to this earth. So when you do take advantage of the fact that you are salt, it changes the way you, it allows you, it gives you a freedom to slow down in your life. All of a sudden, you're able to see the people around you, and you're able to think, man, what, I wonder what they're going through today. Because now you have a different perspective. God has put me for a reason. I'm in this job. Maybe it wasn't my dream job. Maybe it's not what I was hoping to get right out of college. But God has me here for a reason. I don't know what it is. But I'm looking around and I'm seeing it must be because I'm supposed to be salt in the area that I'm in. I didn't ask for this family. My family's a wreck. But God has me for a reason. How is God going to use me to be salt in the people around me? It could even be in the way that we um, treat our waiters. When we go to restaurants, it can be the way that we treat the clerks. When we go to grocery stores, if we rush through life, we no longer see people as people. We see them as people who are basically our servants that we know we don't pay. We let other people pay our servants to help us in our restaurants, in our grocery stores, in our, in our, uh, as our baristas. And so it's very important that we see that when we understand that we're supposed to be salt, it changes the whole worldview. World isn't about me anymore. I'm here to make salt. I'm here to flavor up the world around me. And it changes um, your spiritual life. Here's the thing we need to understand. Something uh, Clay McBroom, who's an MA over the summer, and he served before, he brought this to my attention. Apparently, it's, it's a well-known kind of statement that I never heard before, but it said... Um, Sometimes we ask people, how is your spiritual life going? And so what he brought to my attention was, if you had asked Jesus how his spiritual life was going, he would have to ask you to clarify what you meant, because you only have one life. You don't have a spiritual life and then a life for yourself. You are on the clock 100% of the time as a Christian. So as salt of the earth, you're not on and off. You're not on at the church and off outside. You are salt of the earth and not the church. You're, you're supposed to be the one 100% of the time looking, how is God going to use me today? That sounds exhausting, but that's our, our purpose. So, so that's what we have to remember is that we have to be the quality of salt. No matter where you are, God has given you the opportunity to either add or subtract from that environment that you're in. So not only do you need to be the quality of salt, but you also have to be the boldness of light, and they go together really well. There's a reason God put both of them in the same section. It says in 14, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So we're supposed to have, I want us to look at four attributes, well actually more three, three attributes of light. And the first one is pure. So we're supposed to be the ones on the, we're supposed to be the light of the world. 
And, and what does it compare us to? It's a city on a hill. Imagine you're in pitch black darkness and you're walking around, but you see a city. You're kind of looking for a place to, to stop. And there's a place you can't miss because it's not in a valley. It's not behind a mountain. It's on the mountains up there and you see it. That's how God wants our life to look. You are the light of the world. What do we know about light, though? The reason I said that light, first of all, is pure is because you can't get light dirty. You can turn on the light. I don't think that's ever happened to me. You're like, wow, that, that light's coming out, and we, not, we need to wash the light. You just can't do that. Light's never going to get, um, get messed up. I was talking to my dad. He used an illustration one time when he was preaching at his church. He turned on a flashlight, asked them to turn out all the auditorium lights, and he turned on this light and put dust right in front of it. He's like, I keep on trying to get this light dirty, but it's not, it's not going to get dirty. It exposes the dirt, but the light itself will never be dirty. So he calls us to be pure in our, the way we live our life. He causes us that even though we're in the world, he's not asking us to separate us, like we talked about at the beginning, to be monks and, and separate us from the world. We're in the world. We can't do anything. God has sent us to the world, but we're not supposed to be mixing it up with the dirt. We can't. Light and does not get dirty. It is pure. There is a... There is a difference. Um, I, th- I think there's kind of like these two types of good that we can do. Um, one is very attractive and one repels people. And I was kind of thinking about this. I think, I think the difference is really whether it's authentic or not. Because there's some people, you can get to the point where you're doing everything good, but it comes off as judgmental. It comes off as you are excelling. You are no longer bringing joy to anything around you because you are so focused. And I'm thinking of like the Pharisees. They were so focused on doing the right thing 100% of the time. And not only that, they're making sure that everybody else would be doing the right thing at the right time as well. But there's a different kind of good that God wants us to do. It could be, he wants to be light of the world, but it's an authentic light where it's coming from inside you. It's a light where you're not, you're just living your life. You're not trying, you're not forcing everything. It's something that comes from your time with the Lord. And I think that is where we can kind of talk through purity of light. That is what he's asking for. But the second that we see is that light not only is pure, but it's also powerful. And we see that in verse 15. Verse 15 says, uh, it makes more sense if I read 14 too. Let's do that. You are light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. So if think about it, last time your lights went out and you had to use a, a, just a candle. That's been miserable. You can't see a thing. So how much worse it is that you light a candle and it says, don't worry, family, like I've got us covered, and you put it under a bushel. So that makes absolutely no sense, and that's what Jesus is saying. So yes, your light. This goes candle culture. I've heard this a lot of times when I've talked to people. It's like, yes, I'm seeking God, but I believe that everybody's on their own spiritual journey. And we, you know, you can kind of mention what your journey is, but don't force that on anybody else. And that's the culture that I think a lot of people grew up with, and that's the culture that we're currently in, is you can have your, your, your religion, you can follow the Lord as long as you don't force that on anybody else. And what they mean by force is that you don't mention it to anybody else. But that is, might be cultural, but is counter-biblical. It says, um, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. That makes no sense in the physical realm, so how much more in the spiritual? But on a stand, so your life as a Christian, as you're someone who is living in a way that glorifies God, you're supposed to live that out in a way that everybody sees. So it's not posting it on social media, 
necessarily, oh, look at me. I just videoed myself giving a bag of good things to a homeless person. No, it's the fact that you're just living your life and you're living it in a way that glorifies the Lord. So you can't help but people see it because you're hopefully with people and people are going to see you living in an authentic way that you are following the Lord in the way that you're supposed to do. And people are going to see that, not in a bushel, not you're like living this double life where you're trying to be like your friends on one side and then trying to live with, the, with for God on another. No, you are living for God 100% of the time. So the people around you are going to see your light because it's displayed for everyone in the room. So it's pure, it's powerful, and it shines to the whole world. I think that's interesting. It's not supposed to just shine to your church. Agent Rogers says a lot of us try to be salt to salt and light to light, but we're supposed to be salt and light to the world. So we're supposed to be pure and powerful, but this is the one I want us to spend a lot of time on, and it's supposed to be purposeful. Verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So, like we said, light doesn't get dirty, but it does expose dirt. And that's where where it gets hard, honestly, because your light has a purpose, and that purpose isn't just to to keep it to yourself. It's for transformative purposes. People, I, I kind of think of when my mom comes to visit me, there's not a, another time in, in the earth that my house looks better because all of a sudden everything starts popping up. It's like, wow, there's a cobweb there that I haven't seen. It must have been there for a while because it looks really formed. And then, so all these things start popping up because all of a sudden, because I know my mom is very clean and she taught me better. So then, but before she was going to come, I didn't notice. I didn't notice anything was there. Just kind of, have you ever had like even a bag of Chick-fil-A and you set it on the counter and you're like, okay, I need to get that. And ah, you guys are learning way too much about me. I apologize. But after a couple of days, it's still there, but you don't see it anymore because it just kind of became part of the counter. <laughs> All right. You know too much about me. But that's, it's, yeah, it, it's a thing. So, but when light comes, when it shines on you, all of a sudden you notice what's there. In the dark, you can't see a thing. You're bumping into things, and you don't know what it is, and you don't care. But when there's light, when you're exposing it, this is when it gets uncomfortable because when you walk into a room and you're the light, People notice that what they're doing is wrong, and they didn't notice that before you were there. And I'm sure some of you can come up with ideas of when that has happened to you, whether it's your parents walking into the room when something was on TV when you didn't notice or, or you didn't care to notice. It, but that's, that happens to us as well. I'm sure it's happened to you at work when people start, stop cussing around you because they feel awkward cussing around someone who doesn't cuss. And so that I asked one of my uh, one of the girls that I used to work at Starbucks with. I'm like, why don't you? Because she cussed and didn't apologize. And I was like, why don't? Why do you apologize? She's like, well, I don't want. I don't want to offend you. I know that you don't cuss. I'm like, okay. So it, it, that that kind of happens because when you are the light, you're going to expose things, and that makes it uncomfortable for other people. So what we see is both salt and light have to be used up to do any good. That's really interesting to see how. How everything that's both salt and light, when it comes down to it, are if you if you hide the light or if you just keep salt by itself, it's not going to do anything. So what we need as Christians is actually to come into contact with the people around us. We have to be involved in in the in the culture around us, not to become a part of it, but actually to do some good. If you had some salt and you had some rotting meat and you never connect the two, then the meat's going to rot. But God has put it us for, here for a reason. He wants us to be a part of the meat. He wants us to put in a place that we're going to preserve. 
probably not healed, but God wants us here to make a difference in this world, and he sees us as valuable in that way. Okay, I think it's good time for me to break a little bit and ask you a question. Are you feeling a lot of pressure that you're not making it in this kind of lifestyle? It's a lot of responsibility God has put, and if you think about it, there is no one else in this world. If we are not salt and light, then there is no one else besides the Christians that can be this preserving item in the lives of those who are unbelievers. There's nobody else who's going to be pointing them to Christ. So I hope that you are feeling this enormous pressure that you are not meeting expectations. And if you're there, congratulations. That is wonderful. I'm glad you feel completely horrible about yourself because you cannot get there ever, and that's the point. It is impossible for you to be salt and light. You can't do it. But listen to verse 16. But in the same way, let your light shine before others. That word let, it means it's already there, but you have a choice whether you're going to do it or not. And so the light isn't actually from you trying to do all these things. And this is what I was talking about when I say that people sometimes look at this verse and they set on a journey that they can't complete. You look at salt and light and you say, I can do that. I can do that. I can, I can use what God has put in my life. I can use my, my, my ability to speak my, my, that I'm smart or good-looking or that I have a good personality. You can use all, everything and you say, I can do this. But the truth is none of those things count. It's only one thing that's going to count, and that is the true purpose of the light and salt to begin with, and that is that Christ is the salt and light in you. It's really exciting, actually, this, this part of it, if you think about it. This is, this is actually Jesus telling us we're going back to the original design. What did God do at the beginning? He made us in the image of who? Of God. He made us in the image of God, and we were supposed to go out and multiply for the purpose of that we were going to be special among the creation. We were going to go out, and we were bear the image of God so that the glory of God would be spread throughout the entire earth. So the fact that there are people everywhere didn't actually complete that commandment. What only completes that commandment is that if we are the light of the world in a way that glorifies the Lord. So now, how does Christ refer to himself in John 8, 12? John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. And this is Jesus speaking. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus refers to himself as the light of the world. So when he tells us to, that we are the light of the world, it's not because there's anything inside us that's creating that light. No, we're like the moon. The moon has no light, but we have a sun. And we have the son of God, who is the light of the world. And so what, what happens is we're like little mirrors. When we spend time with the Lord and we're reflecting his light, all of a sudden, there's no light in a mirror, but when the, when the mirror hits the sun, all of a sudden, you are the light. You are the light that's spreading out among men. There's this illustration I heard from Agent Rogers. It was really cool. He said, uh, there was this little boy who asked his dad, he was like, Dad, how, how tall do you think I am? Dad was like, I don't know, like four and a half feet. He's like, oh, how, how tall is Jesus? Like, oh, I don't know. I imagine about six feet. Like, well, said the boy, was like, if I'm four feet and Jesus is six feet, he's going to shine right through me. And that is the exact idea. Like, oh, no, how can I let Jesus shine through me? Well, he doesn't have a problem with that. Jesus is going to shine through you because he can't contain himself inside you. The problem is we have a choice whether we're going to let, that word is key right there, let him shine among men or not. The way we don't let them is when we get absorbed in our own life, when we get absorbed in the things that we're doing just because we know that we have to do A, B, and C in order to get through this day. 
But when we slow down and realize that God wants to use as salt and light of the earth, that changes our viewpoint and everything we're going to do. That's why it takes boldness, though, because of this last part. It says, let your light shine before others, and this is verse 16, so that they may see your good works. But what's the purpose? That last part, give glory to the Father who is in heaven. It's really good. It's, it's easy to be a good person. I think, like, even the, the best people I know aren't believers. They, they are just great people. They don't do anything, like, but they're not connected to the light. So it's not necessarily about just being a good person. It's about letting, it's, it's about connecting the goodness that you do to the source of the goodness. And that's where boldness of the light comes in, because all of a sudden you have a responsibility to not only do good, but when people ask you why you live in such a way, you have the responsibility to point them back to the source of the light, which is Jesus. And that's where it takes boldness, because that creates friction. You have to say, like, why, why do you spend so much time taking care of people on your off time? Why do you go to New Horizons on your day off? And you can't just say, oh, well, that's what my church does. You have a responsibility to point them to Jesus. Well, you see, I love Jesus, and I know that doing things like that, you know, that's, that's going to make him happy. I would love to share with you how um, I came to have a relationship with Christ that changed my entire life. Or when you, you tip big at a restaurant, like, why did you spend so much money on a, on a tip? Well, you know, I just felt the Lord leading me to do that because I love the Lord and he's blessed me and I wanted to bless that person as the Lord blessed me. So you're using these little opportunities to insert Christ, how Christ is the one who is using you and you have a different way. Something that happened to me that I regret forever is that I knew I knew I was supposed to do this. I was, I was working as a barista at Starbucks and um, and there's these people, they're regulars and they're talking about uh, they're talking about partying and drinking. And they asked me, like, Chad, what's your, what's your poison? What do you like to drink? I was like, oh, well, I don't really drink. And they said, like, oh, man, Chad, I thought you were a lot more fun than that. I was like, well, you know, I just, I don't need it. I'm a really happy person. And in that moment, I was like, okay, this is the opportunity I need to say why I'm a happy person. It's because Christ put a joy in my life that can't be replaced by anything else. And I didn't do it because I thought, you know, I'm, I'm the barista. They're the customer. I don't want to make any friction. And to this day, that was two years ago, and that's still on my mind. I don't want to have regrets like that anymore. And so that's the same kind of thing that we all need to have. We, have, we don't want to live with regrets. We have so many opportunities every day that we can point people to Christ in a way that actually is fluid, not like, oh, well, you know, um, I did a great job. Um, I don't know. I'm not actually going to give an example about how you can do that wrong, but you know. And so here's some ways that you can um, that you can start living this transformational life. First of all, you pray that God would give you opportunities to point people to Christ. Because you know what? First of all, that does two things. It it gives permission, I guess. It puts God. Uh, God starts putting people in your life, but it also changes your mind in the morning. Okay, I'm living for a different purpose. I'm going to be looking for opportunities. So God doesn't just put people in your life. He actually gives you the mindset. The second thing is you need to commit your life to a sacrificial lifestyle. Both salt and light get burned up. You are going to be used to the max because you have committed your life to living in a sacrificial way. It's going to be a lot of work. But you know what? Your life is going to be burned up either way. You're going to even get burned up for yourself, or you're going to get burned up living for the kingdom of God. So that's actually kind of a win. You can win through living for the Christ, where you're living for the kingdom of God. 
then connect. Both salt and light have to connect with something. So you are needing to connect salt and life in a way that you are, um, you're not just staying by yourself. You're not just keeping this light and salt inside you, but you are focusing on the people around you and you're living in a transformative way. And then this is the fourth one and this last one. You need to give credit to Jesus and lead people to the Lord. You need to give credit and then you need to set it up. That same person that I was talking to, we got a chance later on. It was uh, towards the end of the time that I was working there and I said, hey man, I would, it was just really not, not smooth at all. It's like, I would love to have a conversation with you uh, about religion, and would you be down for it? He's like, sure. So we waited until we were both off the clock. He was working at, at uh, I was in a Kroger inside a, or I was Starbucks inside a Kroger. He worked for Kroger, I worked for Starbucks. And so we waited until we were both off the clock. We went and sat down at one of the tables, and we went through the whole gospel together. And at the end, he was like, you know, I've never had a gospel conversation. I've never had a religious conversation like this before. I'm not ready to make a decision, but I really appreciate you taking the time and having that conversation with me. And then it says, then, so, um, so you need to give credit to Jesus and lead people to the Lord. It can't be just, okay, pointing people to the Lord. You need to seek out opportunities to take time and share the gospel. I want you to encourage you. One of the things that stopped me for years was that I didn't have a clear way of sharing the gospel. I wanted to, but I didn't know how to do it. But that, I blamed other people for not training me. And what really came down to it was that I wasn't th- taking the time to train through it. I wasn't taking the time to ask questions. So I encourage you tonight, ask questions, make sure that you're ready to share the gospel at a drop of a pen. So let's end with this. God created you to make a valuable difference for the world. You have, the, you have to be the quality of salt, and you have to be the boldness of light. And when you are that, when you let God be the salt, when you let God living through you, the only way to make a valuable difference in this world is to let Christ do the impossible through you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, that you have called us to be a part of your team. You've called us to be people who can be valuable to your kingdom project. Lord, I I thank you that through that we can have a fulfilling life, that we can have a life that is meeting the purpose that you created us for from the very beginning. Thank you, God, that you are so faithful to bring us all the way back to your original design and not giving up for us. Lord, I'm sorry that we are so unfaithful. I pray that you would help each and every one of us to be bold and light, that we would have just the, the willingness to live for you and that we would let you take over every single day. Thank you, Lord, for the young adults, and I pray that you would keep them well and take care of them throughout this week. In Jesus' name, amen.